We're in this series called uh, if, uh, Identity. We're traveling through this New Testament letter of Ephesians. We're not doing it verse by verse per se. We're doing it topically verse by verse. Is the best way to describe it if you're just joining us. And um, today we're going to talk about uh, I am maturing. And it moves from in this great letter to who I am in Christ, as we've been looking at all that through identity. And now since this is who I am, Paul now takes us to how I am to live. And he's going to take us into what a mature, spiritually growing uh, person looks like, uh, especially if you're a follower of Christ. Now, let me open up with this idea. Um, I'm, the, I'm the guy that used to, uh, I used to hate, and I mean hate, I used to hate to go to shopping malls and shop. Anybody like that? Wow, this is the most hands I've ever seen raised in this service. Um, I was a guy that would go, I had to buy something, I'd go find it, kill it, and then take it home, you know, you know. It was like hunting for me, right? i go find it, buy it, and get out of there as fast as I could. And then something snapped in my head 20 years ago or thereabouts. And all of a sudden, I started to enjoy shopping. And I know, right? And I, what, what's wrong with me? What, did, did Olivia slip something in my Pepsi or Coke? Coca-Cola? Um, my co- and I didn't drink coffee back then, so I can't say that. Um, and I enjoy, I enjoy it now. I enjoy walking through malls and shopping and stuff like that. And, uh, but here's my next question. How many of you either are, know someone, or you're married to someone that if they could justify it, have the money, every three months they would get rid of the, all their old wardrobe and buy a new one? Either you, you know somebody you're married to. Raise your hand. I want to know how many people. Have. Okay, all right. So that's what Paul, the New Testament writer of this letter, that's what he's going to talk about. He's going to talk about laying aside our old wardrobe and putting on a new wardrobe. And what I mean by that, what he means by that is we're going to lay aside as our old ways before Christ that aren't the best ways. And now as a maturing person, we put on, we take on the new ways of Christ according to the, the scriptures, the, the Bible. Does that make sense so far? Now, I want to make a statement. It's not a tagline, but... I want to say that age doesn't define maturity, actions do. Let me say it again. Age doesn't define maturity, actions do. Now I want you to say it with me. Age doesn't define maturity, actions do. Because every one of us has seen people that are physically grown up act like children. There's a lot of agreement right in here. There's pain coming out. We're purging this out now. Um, when I got married, I was 25, and quickly, I, I didn't realize it, but in retrospect, I was very immature. How many know that marriage is something that will quickly show you how mature or not mature you are? How many know that, huh? Because marriage is going to reveal it all, man. Am I mature? Am I not mature in this situation right here? And so, and by the way, if, um, and look, next month I'm going to do, start a marriage series, I think around the 19th. I think the week we start life groups back, actually. But do a marriage series. Then after that I'm going to do a series called Space. You know, we're going to walk going, hey, the space. No, we're not going to do that. 
but it's like creating space in our life because how many of us have our life so packed up to limits just in what we do, in our money and everything, it's just driving us nuts. Scared to raise your hand? Okay, so we're going to do a series on creating space in our life so that we don't go nuts in, in our life. Then after that, I think, I think I'm going to do one on how, how to handle pain in life. Uh, and then after that, I think I'm going to do an end time series through the summer. Does that sound like a good plan so far? Now, I, I, say, I say that marriage one because I'm not going to teach chapter 5 in the series of Ephesians. I'm going to use that for the marriage series because it's all about marriage. So just so you know, when you go, he skipped chapter 5. No, skipping it for a reason. So where was I in my notes? Let me check. No, I'm just joking. So age does not define maturity. Actions do. So we're going to talk about this whole maturing process. And uh, first, I want to pause there. First, I want you to read our verse for the series. It's the only verse I will ask all of us to read out loud together. I'll count to three. Let's read it out loud. Here we go. One, two, three. For we... His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. And every week I tell you that the word workmanship, we get our word poem. Absolutely. God writes the poem lines of our life. If as long as we're trying to operate according to his word, God creates this great life for us. And we've all written some pretty bad lines on our own of our life. Any amens on that one? Our tagline has been, you are, you were, but you are. Say it with me. You were, but you are. And you're going to see that very, um, it's been very prevalent in this chapter that we were this way, but now we live this way once we put our faith in Christ. And even if you're not a follower of Christ, don't want to be a Christian, I think you will agree with the transitions that Paul is talking about when I get there. Now, here's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to take you through three or four verses. Turn to Ephesians 4 in your paper Bible or in your app. I'm going to com- do commentary for three or four verses. Then I'm going to take you through three points. And in point three, I'm going to do something completely different than I typically do on a Sunday morning. When we get there, you'll see. And point two, there's no filling on the point, but there's three bullets that you'll fill in there. So here we go, Ephesians um, chapter 4, verse 7. And it says, But to each one of us, who is us? Say, I must. Good, good. Each one of us, grace was given. Grace is, means, means favor that I can't earn. I, I didn't merit it. I don't deserve it. But God just gives me grace. He just favors me. And he favors you was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. So there's a measure of gifting within grace that God has given us. We're all gifted in certain ways spiritually. And you'll see see in a second. Verse 8, Therefore it says, When he, Jesus, ascended on high, after he rose from the dead, then he, on from earth, he ascends in Acts chapter 1, he led captive a host of captives. He leads people with him. He takes these captives with them, and he takes them captive to, to, to heaven. And he gave gifts to men. So then he imparts giftings. He leaves. Holy Spirit comes. And there are spiritual giftings that are imparted to people who are followers of Christ. Verse 9. Now here where it gets really interesting. Now this expression, he ascended. What does it mean except that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is himself also who ascended far above all the heavens so that he might fill 
all things. What in the world is Paul saying? Well, let me tell you. When it says that he descended into the lower parts of the earth, what he's talking about here is this. Do you remember when Jesus, and if you're new to Christ, you don't remember. Remember when Jesus was on the cross. There's a thief on the left and a thief on the right. One of them says, you know, I don't want, he's just very negative toward Jesus, antagonistic, you know, doesn't want to follow Christ at all. But on the right, on whatever side there, but there's the other side, the one says, uh, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He repents. And then Jesus says to him, today you will be with me in paradise. Absolutely, he's in paradise. Now, what, is Jesus, or what, is, what does Jesus mean by that when he tells the guy in paradise? Well, let me tell you. Write this down if you're a note taker and a student. Luke chapter 16, because I'm going to tell you a story. Jesus, now, let me back up. Have you ever had this question in your mind? What happened to the people who believed in Yahweh God before Jesus ever came and died on a cross? You ever thought that? Good, because I'm going to answer that question. Jesus uh, tells a story in Luke 16. Story of a rich man and another man named Lazarus. It's not Lazarus who Jesus rose from the dead. This is a different Lazarus. This Lazarus is a poor beggar begging for any crumbs that would fall off the rich man's table. But the rich man, not sharing anything. Very greedy person. Now, to understand the full story, you always take the full context, take all the scriptures, and you know that a person, to make it, to go to heaven, they must go through Jesus, they must confess faith in in him, or reject him and end up in an eternity in hell. You're not saved by your good deeds, so you must understand that to understand the story. They both die in the story. The the poor beggar and the filthy rich man both die. And then Jesus pulls back the curtain and he says, here's what happened when they died. when, When Jesus tells, you'll be with me in paradise. Before Jesus came, everybody went, in a sense, into hell. But it was Abraham's bosom. There, one side was Hades, hell. The other side was paradise, on this side, those who did not believe in Yahweh God went here. And on this side, those who did believe in Yahweh God, they went there. And there was a massive valley between them, and they couldn't cross. And they could actually see each other from each side. On this side, they were, they're in torment. The, the rich man is carried to this hell Hades side. It's so bad there, in so much heat, and so much torment, that here's what he says. He says, please send someone back to warn my brothers of this place. They need to repent. They need to come, become to Jesus Christ. Now let me tell you right now. The greatest evangelists the world would ever see will never see them. Because they died not believing in Jesus and they are in hell right now. And if they had a chance to come back, they would tell everybody what it's all about. But they will never have a chance to come back and share. They would be the greatest evangelists because they've experienced what eternity in pain and torment is like and they would love to warn every person, please put your faith in Jesus. The poor man, he goes to the other side. He, he's, he had faith in Yahweh and now he's in Abraham's uh, bosom in paradise. When Jesus dies and they put him in the grave, his spirit goes down, descends in the lower part of the earth. He goes to the good side. And he preaches to them. He's there for three days, three earth days. And then after he rises from the dead, he brings them all with them because see, in the Old Testament, 
their sins were only covered. Animal blood means God, when they would cover it, means literally that God would close his eye to sin for one year. God winked at it, and every year they had to sacrifice animals to cover their sins for one year. When Jesus came, his blood, John the Baptist looked at Jesus and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus was the Lamb, the sacrifice, the final one. He's called the last Adam. So when Jesus dies and sheds his blood, his blood doesn't cover sin. His blood cleanses sin for all time. So now when Jesus shed his blood on the cross, goes into paradise, he takes all the believers with them. And by the way, in Hebrews 11, the hall of faith, it says all these hall of faith people, they died waiting for the promise. And then when Jesus showed up there, they go, he's here. And he takes the captive with them, these hosts of captives, and he takes them to heaven. And that's how it works. Does that make you all understand so far? Okay, good. Now I can get on with the message, all right? All right. So now you have an explanation of what, 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 the, what those verses mean. That's something. Here we go. Three points. Number one about a maturing person. Number one, maturing involves mending. Maturing involves mending. Now verse 11 and verse 12 says this. And he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. Now, now we see there's a mending process in people's lives because the word equipping, it literally means, if you're taking notes, it means a recovering of wholeness or the resetting of a broken limb. My son Dylan, when he was about 14, 15, I just can't remember exactly, he would, him and his buddies uh, would be skateboarding in our backyard and they'd had one of those grind rails and a little half pipe. And one day one of the kids runs in and says, Dylan hurt himself, Dylan hurt himself, and he's frantic. And we go outside, no lie. He broke his arm. It was not a fracture. His arm was like this. It went like this and then it went like that and it went like that. It was bad. So I go running out there and I see that and like a good parent I say, well, not the, not the last time. I go and eat a bowl of cereal before I do anything about that. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm joking, okay? Don't write me any cards, all right? No, so we do our best. We get him in the car. We take him to Kaiser. He's just dying in the back seat and we take him to a doctor who knows how to reset that thing and then put the cast on there so that it comes back and the brokenness is mended over time. Does that make sense? Now, here's what Paul is saying. He's saying that in our lives that Jesus, through the Spirit of God, he's gifted certain people. There are three categories of gifting in the New Testament. Here is one, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Also, these are the ministry gifts. In 1 Corinthians 12, you find the manifestation gifts. In Romans 12, you find the motivational gifts and those motivational gifts, it's how you look at all of life. Everyone who's born again, you have spiritual gifts. Every one of you, every one of you. Now, In, in, in these verses here, he's got these five offices, and some of you are these things, for mending people. It's interesting to me that when, when Jesus was hanging out with Peter, Andrew's brother, and then James and James' brother John, Peter and Andrew, they were throwing nets, they cast nets. James and John, we find them washing nets. 
And you see that in their spiritual giftings, when they become born-again followers, that Peter and Andrew, they are net casters. They're catching fish. They're evangelistic types. And then James and John, they're washers. They're mending. They're shepherding, mending type people. It's an interesting little, little concept there in, in Mark chapter 1, 16 to 19, if you want to read it later. Now, here's how it works. God has given us apostles. Some of you are that. An apostle is one that is sent out. They have this driving need to go out and plant churches and plant things like they have. And let me tell you something. We got to have those types in America. We need the people that are going to plant churches in every denomination that preaches Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Because our nation now is no longer a Christian nation. Would you agree? We have really gone crazy in our country as far as our moral beliefs. What used to be good is now called bad. What used to be bad is now called good. And they are trying to deceive our children from kindergarten on up. And that's what they're teaching our kids now. You know, I think it was Abraham Lincoln that said, whoever controls the minds in elementary school controls the country in the next generation. And that's what they're trying to do. It's very, they're very, it's very diabolical. But we need to plant more churches in every denomination because our country needs to come back to what it's supposed to be. A country that follows God. Uh, uh, now, now, we need those types. Then, we, then there's prophets. Prophets come along. A prophet, what is he? A prophet is a type that preaches God's word very, very strongly. Black and white. This is what it is. Not, now, now question. What do you think I am? I'm... Cynthia, did you laugh out loud like that? I, I go, that sounds like Cynthia Madden. I'm going to say that online. Cynthia Madden laughed out loud. I'm a prophet teacher in these, in these five old gifts. Uh, now, a prophet like me, now, mind you, through how many know that life is very difficult and through the pains of life, it softens your heart up? It, it has softened my heart up. But by nature, I'm a prophet. I'm black and white. Haven't you ever noticed sometimes I'll say something and you go, oh, that was hard, that was hard. You ever notice that about me? You didn't have to say yes. <laughs> but that's, I'm a prophet. Now, you need prophets like me and some of you in there because without us, the church grows very lukewarm and starts to compromise. Without us, that's what happens. So you will see me at times make hard statements, stand up, because if not for guys like me and gals, like, gals who are prophets, you, the church is just going to go into all kinds of sin, and it can't. It can't. Prophets, you typically lock them up in prison and chop their head off like they did to John the Baptist when you don't like what they're saying. Right? Okay. And then there, we need prophets. And then there are evangelists. We need evangelists. Now, the evangelists here, everyone is called to evangelize and reach lost people. But this gift here is specific. I've, you know, my guess is, reading different things, 10% of all Christians have the evangelism gift. You can, your whole life is people are potential uh, people to come to Christ. Everywhere you go. Everywhere you go. You, my, we bought our Christmas tree at Home Depot. If you are an evangelist, you went to Home Depot, let's say you will go there to buy your tree, and they pull the tree out, the guy working, gal working, and you go, you know, Jesus Christ died on a tree. You know, that's what you're like, okay? You could just turn any, any conversation around, you know, and the guy goes, what'd you say? Well, Jesus died on a tree. You know, it says in the New Testament, bah, 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 bah. and there you go. 
And you're just like that because you have the gift of evangelism. About one in ten have that. And we need you. We need you so bad, but everybody needs evangelism. And then there's pastor and teacher. Four square denomination puts them together. I'm in assemblies. We separate the two. A pastor is a shepherd. And the shepherd type, man, the great people. They're great at facilitating small groups because they just care. And they just want to see people grow. And they're concerned about you. And they're all those things, you know. And so it's like, and, and now some of you are wondering, Jim, you don't have too much of a shepherding gift. No, I really, really don't. I wish I did, but I just don't, okay? I'm more prophet. And then there's teacher, and they instruct you in correct doctrine in the word of God. And I have that part of it too. I'm a, I'm a teacher type in that respect. But I'm more prophet than I'm a teacher, I think, okay? So, but we need every one of those giftings to flow. Why? So the brokenness in our life gets mended. How many of you know by now that in life, whatever we've come from, however people sinned against us, whatever bad decision, whoever we hung around with that let us down, down, we all have a little bit of brokenness in our life. We all have a few broken pieces in our life that need mending, right? Say right. right. Praise the Lord. Don't you feel better now? Okay, good. Now, what is the mending for? He said there, it's for two things. Not in your notes. It's for the body of Christ to be strengthened. So these gifts are to strengthen the people. And he said, secondly, in those verses, it's, to, it's for, the, for, the, for people to be mended to do ministry works of service. Did you know, if you're a follower of Christ, that you are a minister? Did you know that? Yeah. Let me try it again. Did you know that? Yeah. You're, you're all ministers. Every one of you is a minister. No, Jim, you are. No, I'm an ad minister. See, I equip, and then you're the ministers. You should be serving somewhere. If you're not, there's a problem. You're not maturing. Oh, I forgot this in first steps. I just remember now. So I have this lemon tree in my backyard. It's got so many lemons on it. I went, yesterday I picked two big bags out. I don't But I can't get to them fast enough and there's some that fell on the ground and they've rotted. And I was sitting there as I was picking the lemons and I thought about this and I didn't put it in my notes now that I realize it. I wonder how many Christians are like those lemons on the ground. You ripened up healed up, reset, but you aren't ministering anywhere. You're not serving in any context. And it's just fruit that drops to the ground and it rots. When somebody needed that fruit, listen to me, you are mended to mend. You are mended to mend. To mend other people. And you'll find your greatest satisfaction in that. Look, Maturing people, they, they begin to mend and they mend. A, look, my kids, remember when your kids were little? When they were sitting there in the car seat and they were like, you know, four months old, you didn't sit there and say, take out the trash today. <laughs> did you? If you did, we got problems, even worse than here. No, but once they got to a certain age, you know, it's time for you now, your job is take out the trash. And of course they go, oh, oh, you're killing me. But boy, they have energy for everything else, don't they? But you're killing them. But you started them off because they started to grow up. You've got to give them responsibilities. That's what a maturing person does in the kingdom of God. You take responsibilities in the local body. Start serving somewhere. Start doing something about it. Quit talking about it. Quit saying, well, maybe next year. No, it's right now. 
Now, number two in your notes is maturing people. And now there's three bullet points. I'm going to read 13 through 15 first. It says this. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man. Say mature man. To the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be, say children, no longer be children, tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. Stop right there. I'll read the first 15 in a second. I've been in church 40 years. I've been in ministry about 38 years. And I've seen it every so often. There will be people that will come into a fellowship and they are deceivers. They come in with false doctrine. They don't want to be part of a fellowship. They want to draw a few people away to them. And you've got to watch out for them. And they will make it sound so right, but they're slightly off the way Satan tempted Jesus with 90% truth, but 10% lie in the desert. Whenever you're not sure and somebody presents, I'm not, come and ask me about it. I'll show you. Come and ask me. I'll show you. I'm, I'm here to teach. See, Paul warned us, or Luke warned us, Paul stating it in, in, in Acts chapter 20, that after, Paul said, after I leave here, because he was a church planner, he says, ravenous wolves, false teachers will come in, and they won't spare the flock. They're going to come in to deceive the flock and to draw people to themselves. And you've got to be careful of that because a little bit of lie is going to take you down the wrong road. Any amens on that? Amen. So you've got to be careful. You don't want to be tossed all over the place because you're not growing up in the Word of God. Now watch this. Verse 15. But speaking the truth in love, we are to say grow up. Grow up in all aspects into Him, Jesus, who is the head, even Christ. Now let me give you three bullet points here of what a maturing person looks like. First off, they seek unity. They seek unity. Now, verse 13 says, until we all attain to the, say unity, unity, unity of the faith. Now, don't grown-ups live in unity? I'm just thinking out loud here. Didn't Jesus say, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons and daughters of God? And peace doesn't mean like, I have peace, yummy, 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 I have peace, yummy. No, it means that you go out and you create peace. You make peace out of divisive situations. That's what maturity looks like. Now, we've all seen the train wreck, right? Where you see two people and they go, we're going to get married. And you with your mouth go, praise the Lord. But in your mind you're going, this is a train wreck ready to happen. (laughs) How many know what I'm talking about? It's like, are they nuts? Who would they talk to? The wicked witch of the West? What's going on here? And so you know it's a train wreck, and here they go. They're going to, you know, and look, I've been counseling 30-some years, and I don't do much counseling anymore, but I used to counsel married people, and, but I'm not really good at it, but uh, because, because it, doesn't, it doesn't seem to help anyone, okay? And, and then, but, you know, there's certain things I remember, like, let me show you what, Look, if you get married, you know, one of the, if you're selfish, how many know you shouldn't get married? Because you could be, you're going to be divisive. I mean, here's, I'll give you an example. I, I'll never forget. A couple comes in to see me. Nobody from here. <laughs> this was back in the 90s when I was like seven. But um, I'll never forget they're sitting there and they, uh, 
they say, yeah, and they're arguing about this, that they got like, it was, I don't know, $3,000 are getting back on their taxes. And they're arguing because, you know, we, you, get, you take 1500 I take 1500 I buy what I want, you buy what you want. Uh, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. I go, see how divisive that is? Why don't you come together as one and say, you know, let's maybe invest this and maybe we'll give, you know, $200, find a family that needs help. Let's do some good things with it, you know, smart. Any amens? Let's stay united. But immature people, they divide all the time. Man, I remember counseling and, and, and people would call me up that, you know, we need to talk to. And I performed the wedding years before. And then they pull up, you're this, outside. And they pulled up in different cars. That's a bad sign when they're screeching in different cars. Because I thought it was in like, a, you know, a derby or something. And then they come in, and she's there, he's there, and he's sitting here leaning as far away as he can. She's over there leaning as far away. I go, this is bad. They are divided. There's no union here. Mature people... Growing people, they are united. And they seek ways to unify, not to divide. You got that? You got that? Okay, since you got that, let me ask this. Am I, am I that where I'm at? Oh, no, I'm not there. <laughs> okay, the second thing is this. Maturing people, they grow in their knowledge of Jesus. Now watch verse 15 again. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man. So I'm to grow in my knowledge of Jesus Christ, correct? The word knowledge, you know what it means? It means to grow in precise and correct knowledge. Christians. Well, I, I just feel different about that scripture. I, I just don't think God is that way says it though well you know I don't, I don't look at it like that I'll change it I don't look at it like that Esther. I look at it different <laughs> oh do you oh just whatever I'm trying to cover all ethnicities here remember we're one race remember that message okay good you're learning the knowledge of the son of God if what you feel what you think what it is, is different than what God's word says who's wrong we are. We grow in the knowledge. Of the, no, no, it's like this. I, I can't remember the name of that toy. Steve told me the toy. Remember those toys? My kids had one, and they, they were like this big, and uh, you, you pulled a string on it, and it would spin. It had a picture of an, an, animals. Remember that toy? There, and you pull the string, and it goes, the cow says, moo. And then in Spanish, they, have, they go, la vaca dice moo. What's it called? See and what? See and say. See and say, okay. And so it was real cool. The cow says, ruff, 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 right? And, and what it was, the dog says, I did that for you all, okay? are brutal man what are y'all prophets in this room or what the dog says rough rough so when 
When the kids are little, think about that toy. It's teaching them to discern between a cow and a dog and a cat, right? And the Word of God teaches you to discern between what's right and what's wrong. You discern on that toy by the voice. And you also learn through the Word of God what the voice of God sounds like. Any amens? That's how you grow. But you only learn it this way. You cannot do it intermittently. You've got to read this, come to church to be taught this. You've got to be in a life group. It's got to be like you're eating and you're breathing this stuff. Amen? I'll give you the illustration. It wasn't in my notes. And you know when I adjust my seat, I'm getting on it now. Okay. It's like this. It's like, have you ever gone into your sink, moms, ladies, and, and there's a pot in there and somebody didn't rinse it out and they say it was hot chocolate and it's just hot chocolate in that bucket. Have you ever seen that? How many of you got steaming, man? No, I don't want to know. But have you ever taken the faucet right over it, turned the faucet on, and the water just goes into this syrupy brown stuff, and then little by little, what happens to that brown stuff? What? Clears up. Because fresh water's coming in. You want to clear your mind up? You got to have consistent fresh water. Through the Word of God, through the Spirit of God, through your spiritual disciplines, and little by little by little by little by little, your mind begins to clear up and you get a true knowledge of Jesus Christ. So you're no longer tossed all over the place. See, that's why our Christianity in America today hit and miss. I'm here two months, gone six. Oh, I'm back. I'm with Jesus now. How long? Ten days. And I'm gone. That's American Christianity. No, you got to be consistent. So enough there. That's not even the end of my message. Here we go. Number, the third bullet point. you got to balance truth and love. So maturing people balance truth and love. Verse 15 and 16, watch this. But speaking the truth and love, we are to say grow up. Grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. From whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual parts. You've got to all come together, all these parts, all these giftings, and causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in, say love. Okay, good. Now, a mature person, they use truth and love together. Let me explain. I'm a prophet. So guess what's real important to me? Truth. It's blindingly important to me. But guess what I had to learn? Love. Love. Some of us in this room, we're truth, man. We see some of you doing something else. I got to go talk to that person. You don't even know that person. I still got to go talk to him. I'm going to set him straight. Well, that's nice. <laughs> you know, they've been here five minutes, so they're going to be set straight. Okay, great. And so we don't use love. Boy, 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 boy truth, man. Truth. It's all truth. You're half off. But then there's another half off. Those who are all love. I just want everybody to love each other, but I don't, we, don't speak the truth to them. Don't do that. <laughs> just love, love. <laughs> right? And so we don't give them the truth and we let them go off into sin. But we're love. We're together. You need them both. You speak truth, but you better use love. Truth is content. Love is relational. Truth is content. Love is relational. You got to have them both together or else people go off into sin or else we just kill them before they come to the door. 
You got to have them both, my friends. What kind of world would it be? What kind of marriage would you have? What kind of families would you have? What kind of work situation would you have if everybody lived truth and love? What would it be like? It would be outstanding. And guess what? If we lived truth and love, man, we wouldn't have to go to a different service when somebody offended us here, right? Am I right? I can't go to second service anymore because so-and-so offended me because everybody offends me. Did I offend somebody right now? Because I'm a prophet, remember? <laughs> I'm not live show. I'm not going anymore because so-and-so said something to me there. <laughs> Moving on, okay, before I get in trouble. Number three, and this is going to be different now. Maturing people put off the old wardrobe and put on the new. So see, we're learning our identity, who we are, and now this is how we live. Now, I'm going to go through... 15, 16 verses, and I turned the lights off by my powers. No, they were instructed to, and I want you just to listen, because here's how it all works. Here's what the new looks like. Now, verse 17, watch. This is my favorite part of today. So this I say, and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind. Futility means devoid of truth. They don't know what truth is. Don't walk that way anymore. You got truth. Start digging into it. Verse 18. Being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. So now we see People have hard hearts, devoid of truth. Verse 19, and they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. Now, mind you, he said they're ignorant. They don't know any better. So when you look at a non-follower of Christ, not a Christian, don't sit there and condemn. They don't know any better. Can you remember before you were a Christian what you thought was right? Anybody? So quit condemning them. They don't know anybody. I didn't. I got saved at 23. I didn't know all this, this, and this was wrong. I thought it was right. Verse 20. But you did not learn Christ in this way. That's not the way you've been taught, Paul says. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him just as truth is in Jesus. So Jesus is the truth. Now here it comes. Here's the transition. That in reference to your former manner of life, the way you used to be, the way you were, you lay aside the old self. Don't be that old person anymore. You're walking with Jesus. You have a new power in you. You have a new set of guidelines. Lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit. The old wardrobe, you lay it aside. The old you, you lay it aside. Verse 23, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your 
mind. Remember in the beginning, verse 17, they were futile in their mind, devoid of truth, and now you'd be renewed in the spirit of your mind. You need the word of God regularly, just like you eat food. You need this to renew this thing right here so you don't keep making the old bad decisions, go down the same old roads, the same problems. I'm on my eighth marriage. I'm doing this now. I broke another person's heart. I blew up at work again. I blew up with my wife. Are you following me? Verse 24. And put on. So you put off the old you. Put on the new self. Now watch this. Which in the likeness of God. Are you created in the image and likeness of God? Say yes. Has been created in righteousness. The new born again follower of Christ. There's righteousness and holiness of the truth now that you walk in. Now, we're all at different levels. I'm 40 years Christian. So hopefully I'm like a second degree black belt on my way to my 10th degree at some point in life. Hopefully. If after 40 years I'm wearing a white belt, we got problems. 25. Now here he goes. Are you having fun? It's going to get real fun now. Now watch. That's, he says, that's what you were. Now let's see what you are. Remember the tagline? Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth. In love, remember, speak truth each one of you with his neighbor. Neighbor means near, whoever's near. For we are members of one another. What does this mean? Follower of Christ, we don't lie anymore. We're not deceitful anymore. We don't make things up anymore to deceive people. We're honest. We're not hiding stuff. It's not. Verse 26, 27. Be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Oh, Jim, why'd you read that one? And do not give the devil an opportunity. Isn't it amazing how those two pieces, those verses are connected? Yeah. Now listen. Follower of Christ, put on the new you. You don't let anger control you anymore. You don't walk around raging anymore. By the way, you don't walk around taking things personal anymore either. You control your spirit. I believe the writer of Proverbs, I think it's 1632. I could be wrong, but I think it's 1632. He says, greater is he who controls, who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. Greater is he. <clears throat> he adds in those verses, do not give the devil an opportunity. When you and I get angry or we blow up or they just kick me off or my boss this or that church that or that person in third service, whatever, this and that. We blow up Satan says, yeah, my son. Because now you've given me an opportunity in your soul, in your mind. Man, I'm going to build some good fortresses to control you. Angry person, you do not have control of your life. You have given the reins over to Satan himself, is what it says. Got real quiet, didn't it? You got to deal with your anger. Get help. You're not going to make it out on your own. Deal with it. Get into a group. Start to, guys talk with guys, gals talk with you. Get into these. Come on, man. Your family will love you more for it. You'll be better off for it. And Satan will not control you like some little puppet anymore. Verse 28. He who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good so that he will have something to share with one who has need. In other words, work. Now, if you have handicaps to say you can't work, we got it. Thank God in America we have safety nets. Praise the Lord. 
But you know in America, over 50% of Americans get a handout from the government? You can't sustain that, my friends. And when they promise you they're going to give you all this free stuff in America, nothing's free. Hey, can you get that straight yet? It costs all of us who work to give you free stuff. Go make a case study of European nations that started revolting because all the free stuff ran out because they ran out of money. You cannot sustain a socialistic government. You want chaos in the streets? Keep going down socialism. Keep saying, give me free stuff. No, God says, get a job. If you can work, work, get a job. Why? So that you can have something to share with others. What a great concept, huh? See, as a Christian, live the 10-10-80. 10% tithe to God. 10% savings or retirement or whatever you do. 80% live on the 80%. Jim, I can't do that. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. When you start giving God His and start saving and discipline yourself, yes, you can. And then you're going to see God bless you. And then you're going to be able to just bless people and say, you know what, honey, or if you're single, I'm going to bless, that family needs help. I'm going to give them $500. I'm going to do this for them. Oh, man, they need this. I can do that. Man, oh, Operation Christmas Child boxes. Yeah, give me five right now. Or yeah, or oh, foster kids need gift cards. Yes, 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 yes. All right. It's a great thing to help other people. Is it not? But there's a formula. There's a formula. 10, 10, 80. Work. Come on, man. I like what JFK said. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. But it's turned around now. What can my country do for me? What can I get for you? They owe me this. Nobody owe you nothing. You got to work for it and teach your children to work. Our country's going downhill on a handbag so fast. It worries me for my kids, for my grandkids, and I probably won't see my great-grandkids, but it worries me for them if the Lord should tarry. Because this country's going wrong, and you know it. What used to be good is called bad. What used to be bad is called good now. I'm a prophet, I told you. Verse 29. Let no unwholesome word, the word unwholesome means rotten as dead fish. What a description. Let no rotten as dead fish words come out of your mouth, word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification, edifice, building, to edify people according to the need of the moment so that it will give, say the word grace, say grace, grace to those here. All of a sudden, I'm giving grace, I'm favoring people. They don't deserve it, Jim. Right, just like you don't, but God graces you. You grace people with good words. Verse 31. Here's the new you. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Anger is the inward disposition. You're mad inside. Wrath is when you blow it out. I'm just so mad. And clamor is rioting outcry. And slander. Slander can be truth or lie, but we're still talking about people. It also, slander has the idea of your destroying a person's reputation. Put it away. And bitterness, put it away. Stop it, just stop it. Can you tell me one good thing that comes out of bitterness that benefits you? Nothing. Nothing. That's not you anymore. 
that was you, the new you, that's not you. And watch 32. Be kind. <gasps> Kindness. To one another. You know what the word kind means? To furnish what is needed. Furnish what is needed to people. Not just the people you like. Tender-hearted. Why tender-hearted? Because verse 18 said we had hard hearts. Tender. You know, I'm the type of guy that like, I don't like steak much, but when I have a steak, better have no fat in it, and I, I need them to burn it. It's got to taste like a, 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 like a shoe, you know. It's, it's tough, you know. Crispy on the edges. And I know some of you, because if I see red in that... Some of you eat that meat. It's like you're, it's, it's floating in the animal's blood. I'm, how do you, do you eat it in his blood? You're like a vampire. It's like, how do you do that? But, but you like it tender. You go, oh, it's, it just melts in my mouth. No, I like it. I lost a feeling on that steak, but man, it was good. But tender, tender melts in your mouth. Be a person where things melt in your mouth. Be tender, those words. And this is forgiving. Forgiving each other just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. The way God has forgiven you, forgive everyone. Has God said, well, I can only forgive you 60% on that one. No, you forgive it all. And you lose the bitterness. That's who you are now as a follower of Christ. And if you're not a follower of Christ, it makes more sense to live this way. You never knew the Bible was this practical, huh? It's filled with practicality for living. My kids, when they were um, real little, uh, I had to ask if these things were still made. We used to dress them in Oshkosh Bagosh. <laughs> Anybody remember? Do they still make it? Okay. Some of you still wearing it right now? No, I'm just joking. <laughs> and um, I thought it was really cool. And what a cool name, Oshkosh Bagosh. But then as they grew up, it would be weird now at age 36, 33, and 26, it, it would be weird if they were still wearing Oshkosh Bagosh. <laughs> See, they've grown up, and they left Oshkosh Bagosh behind, and they wear, you know, H&M, Forever 21, <laughs> Nike Adidas, <laughs> Levi, but they grew up. We need to grow up. We need to mature. We lay aside the old self, lay aside all those immature things and become the new person. Man, can you imagine the world would be like if we became the new person? Be awesome, wouldn't it? Stand with me, I'm done.